For the Athletic Podcast Network, this is the update. I am Steve Berman, in for Kate Scott. On today's show, Warriors beat writer Anthony Slater joins us after the game Warriors fans have been anticipating for a long time, the return of Stephen Curry. It's Friday, March 6th. Anthony, obviously the energy in the crowd last night was different, but for someone who's covered so many of Steph Curry's games, did it feel a little different to you seeing Steph back out there after so much time away? Yeah, because I've seen a lot of bad basketball this season. Um, (laughs) And just janky, you know, like stalled movement and just bad flow. And like the one thing he just injects into a basketball game is flow, even if it's sometimes not successfully obviously he didn't even win last night but it was just everything was just flowing differently they're really pushing the pace i remember there was this one play where it was somebody on the Raptors. i don't remember who shot an air ball and uh you know curry could have let it kind of just bounce out of bounds but you could tell he wanted he, like he's really trying to zoom up the pace a little bit and he just kind of left hand saved it it was honestly a little bit dangerous because you know if they didn't go successfully he would have just given possession back to Toronto but he saved it as quick as possible darted back inbounds took it and like pushed everyone up court and like you know they probably took a shot within like 19 on the shot clock and it was just I don't know that it's just more fun basketball to watch right it absolutely is and and that kind of almost uh recklessness with a purpose is something that we've missed for a while it just seems like they've been aimless you wrote a great recap that i'm guessing you typed with your left hand since that was the appendage of curries that you focused on do you think that he was out there trying to prove something to himself or to anyone else out there watching or was he really just playing in the flow of the game with all those lefty passes i think it was more himself you know he talked about this new normal, which was kind of like when he first said it about his hand, it was kind of like eyebrow raising. You know, he's talking about a very important body part for a guy like Steph Curry. I mean, he's yeah. one of the most ambidextrous players we've ever seen. He's one of the most elite ball handlers, just that really tight dribble and obviously can pass with both hands, can finish high off glass with both hands, reverse layups where he'll just spin it with the left. And then he suddenly is talking to us about how he has numbness in his hand, tingling, can't feel parts he was really kind of bringing to light how bad a hand injury it was. You know, there was obviously throughout the rehab process, there was kind of talk about, oh, they're just kind of dragging their feet, not bringing them back because of the lottery balls. Like, no, this was like Aaron Baines crunched his left hand and it has taken a while to get him to, to get it playable. But now he still says it's going to take a while for it to feel normal again, if it ever does. I mean, this might be something that affects him later into his life. But as he showed last night, and I think he wanted to show himself, that just because there's some tingling and some numbness doesn't mean he doesn't, you know, still have the hand eye to, to whip, you know, on target lefty behind the back passes. And I think once he did that one to Wiggins, which was like at the 940 mark of the first quarter, um, I think he was like, okay, it feels pretty good. Let me really kind of like take this for a spin. I'm, and he joked with me in post game, like, haven't you seen me play for the last 10 years? And I have seen him play. And he'll he'll pass one, two, maybe three times a game like that left-handed. He did it like 19 times last night. Like that was, <laughs> yeah. he was really trying to prove, like I said, prove to himself, like, no, the left hand's fine. Like, it'll work. 
he was actually scoreless in his first eight minutes or so, and then he scored 23 points in his final 19 or so minutes. Saw the usual array of long threes, shots in traffic with crazy angles off the glass. Is that about what you expected to see, or were you thinking he'd be a little bit less dynamic in his first game back as a scorer? You watch him even warm up, and I know you can't take too much from it, but I mean, he's just the, the absurd quick trigger, the ability to hit you know 20 shots in a row like regularly just in a post practice shoot around like I didn't necessarily expect him to explode for like 35 but I mean to me the offense the scoring did not surprise me at all I mean he had that one just bomb from the deep right wing right in front of like Kerr on the bench uh, on that kind of bad pass by pass but like that was a wow moment that you know you don't maybe expect in his first game back him to throw one of those circus shots in but I don't know what Vegas at the over under points wise but it was probably right around that and and he hit it Steph obviously makes everyone better. Everybody's heard the term gravity brings on the court, opens up the floor for his teammates. Who do you think stands to benefit the most from his return over the next 19 games? Honestly, you know, people mostly want to talk about Wiggins because he's the most important core piece, but I think just benefit-wise, probably Marquise Chris. I mean, centers historically just kind of live off the gravity that you're talking about. Or, you know, Jarrell McGee revived his career off of I mean not just Steph Curry it was also Clay Thompson you know uh spotted up on the wing and Kevin Durant you know on the court too which I mean really kind of messed with the defense but um Curry himself you saw it last night I mean he'll just come off the screen two guys are on him the the rest of the floor is tilted his way and Marquise Chris who has shown to be really athletic good lob catcher maybe not JaVel McGee from uh just kind of like a wingspan pogo stick above the rim um but you know, in that same vein, and I don't know how many lobs he got last night, maybe three or four, um, but I think a lot are coming his way. And then, again, you know, Clay Thompson will be dotted on that wing next season, and that'll just even open it up more. And as the Warriors try to figure out if Marquise Chris can really be the starting center, these 19 games should give him a, a good chance to show uh, that he can really capitalize kind of off Steph Curry. How about on the other side? Curry's going to take some minutes, obviously, and some shots away from others. Is there a player you can think of who might even be hindered by his presence, or are the Warriors just too short-handed to worry about anything like that? Um, you know, I think Jordan Poole kind of he was ga- gaining a rhythm as like somewhat the starting point guard. I know Draymond Green, when he was playing, was like taking some ball handling duties, but like they were really kind of handed part of the playmaking duties over to pool. And I still think he'll get some second unit type stuff. He played with and without Curry at times last night, but I think he'll sink a bit more into the background than he had been. Um, and while the Warriors will be a much better team with Steph Curry, you know, shouldering the load instead of Jordan Poole, I do think maybe that slightly stunts his development that, that seemed to actually be going well over the past month. Again, not a concern for the Warriors. They need these games with Curry, but, Again, if I had to pick somebody, because Steph Curry doesn't hurt many people on the basketball court uh, that are his teammates, um, but I'd just say pool just because I, you know, just less opportunity. A lot of the active players are new. What were the reactions that you remember last night from some of the guys who'd never played a real game with Steph? I think more the crowd might have surprised them. You know, it was most of these players, you know, you think of a guy like Andrew Wiggins, it's like he has played on a lot of very bad record teams in his career, and he's probably used to, hey, it is March in Minnesota. They are heading to the lottery, and there's like 25 people in the stands, basically. Nobody cares. I mean, that's it's such a dull month in the NBA because, you know, like 
everyone kind of knows they're standing. Everyone's kind of waiting for April 15th, either for the playoffs, if you're a good team, or for a vacation, if you're a bad team. And I just think just the electricity in the arena, they probably knew it was coming. But again, for a guy like Wiggins, for a guy like Marquise Chris, who's only really played on bad teams, for even the young guys who just have experienced Chase Center this year, is, you know, it's it's been better than you maybe expect for a 14 in whatever team, but it hasn't. There hasn't been nights like yesterday. Maybe Christmas would be the only comparison. He just brings a different energy to the game, and and they probably had. That's something you can't necessarily experience in practice. Moving on to a couple of the players who actually were on the floor with Stephen Curry, Draymond Green. First, how many more games do you think he might miss with this knee soreness? And how often have you seen him on the bench when he's been inactive this season? Because he was there next to Clay Thompson last night. Yeah, I, that was purposeful. I think that was like a step support group out there. I, I remember kind of noting that in my mind when, right when the game tipped off and it was like, oh, Draymond is player out, like pretty much right at opening tip. That never happens. Usually they'll wander out for like maybe like a half quarter at times. As far as the knee soreness, you know, I thought it was a very minor thing, almost like a, I don't really want to play until Steph coming back for, you know, the first few games he sat. But the fact that he sat last night is a, a tiny bit alarming to me because this is a once every 20 games that you would expect Draymond Green to be hyped for this season, right? I mean, Christmas was one you could almost guarantee he'd bring the energy. He did in Cleveland because he hates those fans. And I thought last night, just because of the Curry return, because of the environment, because he's like, you know, their relationship, Draymond and Steph, I thought he would be out there and looking, you know, as much as he could, like the old Draymond Green, uh, you know, from an energy and a mental focus standpoint. Maybe, you know, he had his 30th birthday party last night. Maybe he's resting up for that. But MRI <laughs> came back clean. They said minor knee tweak, they're calling it. But, you know, every little thing with Draymond Green's body needs to be monitored. Again, not only did he have a birthday party yesterday, he turned 30. That is a key age in the NBA. He is on that side of the mountain now. He has not had a good season. And if he will tell you, you know, you can doubt me all you want. Don't doubt me come playoff time. And the truth is he has proved every time over the last uh, you know half decade when the playoff lights turn on he turns on and he'll still say he will when that matters but you know again uh, we'll see with the body i mean he's he's stepping into a four-year hundred million dollar contract starting next season that extension and uh, he needs to prove that that is not a bad contract in which it could eventually become we'll see another person on the team with some injury concerns kevon looney with all the stuff he's gone through to hear that he has a hip issue now, with his history, it sounds rather ominous. Do you think we're going to see him this season again? We'll see. You know, I'm talking now and, and my answer might age soon because it uh, sounds like an update is coming about two hours from the time of me speaking. I, you know, so the listeners may know by the time this post, but it doesn't sound good. At this point, even if it's not like, a, oh, he has to miss this amount of games, it almost seems wisest to shut him down to really try to get that body right because yet the hip issue is scary for him because he's had, you know, he's only 23. He's had two major hip surgeries already in his career. He's got the neuropathy that he went through this year, which is like just kind of like a nerve condition that is, when you talk about ominous, right when they said that, I remember early in the season, it was like, take a step back. Like this is, you know, potentially serious for a guy who just signed a three-year $15 million deal you know, hamstring stuff. He had an abdominal strain, like, you know, and this is a spiral that to me really started in the finals. Remember that like Kawhi Leonard truck stick? I think it was game two in Toronto. That yep. kind of crunched his collarbone area. 
and he played through it. He showed toughness. He had the flak jacket. And if you look at last year, I think he played like 80 games in the regular season, pretty much played all throughout the playoffs, played with that injury in the finals. And it was like, wow, he's really showing the durability that we were really questioning. But that really shut down his summer, misses six to eight weeks in the summer, comes into camp in bad shape. All the injuries I mentioned, like he has a summer to really kind of save his career, I think, from a body standpoint. We know mentally, physically, when his body is right, he is a very good NBA player. But you've got a question now moving forward, like can the body even hold up uh, as his career moves forward? Warriors record now after the loss, another home loss is 14 and 49, which just sounds crazy. I'm seeing somewhere around maybe five wins left on the rest of the schedule. Could be a couple more if things go well. Steph could always go nuclear and grab an extra win or two. Right now, they have four more losses than the Cavs, five more than the Hawks, and six more than the Pistons and Knicks. Do you think the Warriors might end up with the record better than any of those teams, or will they strategically rest Curry to ensure that doesn't happen, or are they just not good enough to go on a run to actually get ahead of any of those teams? Yeah, I don't think they'd mind hopping a couple teams because, you know, this isn't the NFL where you hop a team and well, you're the second pick and you could have been the first pick. I mean, it's a lottery odds where, you know, those first three picks have flattened odds where you basically have the same exact chance of getting one, two, three, four as the, you know, as the, if you're the first worst, second worst, or third worst record. So if they, you know, pass the Cavaliers, I don't think they'll mind. But, you know, it's a cushion. It's interesting because when we look at the playoffs, we're used to looking at the loss column, right? You almost look at the win column now because those are tougher to get for these teams. And I believe three wins behind the Cavaliers, this is the time we're talking. To me, they're the only one that's catchable. Um, the Wolves won twice recently. The Knicks are still in like attempting to win mode, but I think Cleveland's catchable for a few reasons. I mean, talk about just a really bad dull situation that, you know, that March, I mean, you think Kevin Love's not thinking about where he's going on his next vacation right now. Um, and Cleveland comes to chase center later in the year. So the Warriors win that and suddenly we're just talking about a two win difference and, the Warriors still have the Knicks. They still have the Hawks. They still they have a lot of playoff teams coming up. They have a lot of bad teams. And the, Steph Curry, I saw on the court last night, Steph Curry, who told us yesterday in a media setting that he wants to play every game, he doesn't want to sit back-to-back, they're probably going to bump him over 30 minutes. Like, he looks like you just drop the regular Steph Curry into the mix. And to me, that could win four more games than whatever the Cavaliers are going to spit out the next 20 games. So I think it's possible they don't have the league's worst record. But again – in a low-level draft where the lottery odds are so flattened, I'm not sure it's even that important. I mean, the Pelicans had the seventh worst record in the league last year, and they ended up with Zion Williamson. So the NBA is weird in that way. Yes, the NBA definitely is weird. Last night we saw the good side of the weird, even with the Warriors' loss. Thanks for coming on, Anthony. We'll make sure to read all of your work at The Athletic and check out your Warriors All-82 podcast. All right, thanks for having me. One of the things that Anthony mentioned during our conversation that was interesting was Andrew Wiggins and his past before with a not-so-great team in the Timberwolves. And he had something interesting to say after playing with Steph Curry for the first time. Quote, I've never played with anyone as good as him. By far, he's the best player I've played with. I'm very excited. He's an MVP player, one of the greats which is interesting in the NBA, which often has uh, some storylines regarding petty slights and here and there. Carl Anthony Towns is actually someone who's been thought of as a potential superstar, and Wiggins and Carl Anthony Towns are actually supposed to be one of those top duos in the NBA. Obviously, that fell flat, and now D. 
D'Angelo Russell is playing with Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins is with the Warriors and he actually seems a lot happier. I haven't seen Andrew Wiggins smile this much in his entire NBA career as he has in his short time with Golden State. And it appears that with Steph Curry, then more smiles may be yet to come. Thanks to TNT for the highlights. If you do like the podcast, we do hope you rate, review, and subscribe. We appreciate all the support here at The Athletic. Coming up next on The Update, we'll talk about all things silver and black with Raiders beat writer Vic Tafer. Vic recently got back from the NFL Combine in Indy, so who are the Raiders going to take with their two first-round picks, or will they trade down? And with free agency fast approaching, how will they bolster a defense that struggled? And of course, we'll talk about the chances of Tom Brady coming to Vegas. For now, thank you to Kate, Brian, and Tanika. And we'll look forward to talking to you again on Monday.